Good afternoon, Rich Nass, Executive Vice President of Open Systems Media, leader of the Embedded IoT franchise, is here for this week's Embedded Insiders. Good morning, Brandon. Hey, how you doing, Rich? I'm doing just fine. That is Brandon Lewis, Technology Editor for Embedded Computing Design and an expert in all things embedded in IoT. How's that, Brandon? That's exactly right, along with you, who's <laughs> taught me half of everything I know. And where'd you learn the other half? I just picked it up on the streets, on the mean streets of Phoenix. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Before we get started, I have to say that uh, this podcast is sponsored by the Trusted Computing Group. The Trusted Computing Group provides proven standards for built-in security Learn how to secure the insecure Internet of Things and embedded systems at www.trustedcomputinggroup.org. So um, next week, we're going to have a twist that you don't even know about yet. We're going to okay. do a video Embedded Insiders next week. Okay. That sounds great. Are we going to have any... Are we going to have any hardware or anything, or just people have to put up with our ugly faces for 10 minutes? Well, first of all, I do not have an ugly face, okay? Let's, let's be clear on that, okay? Uh, I don't know. Uh, we, we have to think about that a little more. But, but the reason for that, obviously, is because we're having our annual summit where the whole company is gathering in uh, sunny Phoenix for a few days to plan out 2018. So I'm pretty excited about that to get to see everybody. Only thing I want to say there is that my mom told me I didn't have an ugly face either. Well, we'll find that out next week, won't we? <laughs> if your mom is, is uh, telling the truth or not. Okay, uh, enough about us. Um, I saw that you submitted an abstract for a webinar that we will be doing shortly on electric vehicles, otherwise known as EVs. Is that correct? That is. And actually what spawned this was a colleague of ours sent us an email that she had gotten from uh, one of her relatives that was going off about how electric vehicles really weren't, uh, weren't any cheaper than gas and actually more expensive. Um, and maybe, you know, obviously upfront costs for buying an electric car is a little bit higher now than for a gas, traditional uh, gas-powered uh, car. Um, but in terms of the actual mileage and the cost of electricity versus gasoline, that's just flat out not true. Uh, so I started doing a little bit of research into what's going on in the EV market. Uh, you know, why haven't we picked up uh, the, the pace on some of the hybrid and electric vehicle sales? Because electric vehicle technology isn't new. In my research, I found out that actually uh, electric uh, motors and engines have been being developed in, you know, in parallel almost with, with the conventional gas-powered uh, motors since the beginning of the automotive industry. Um, and it kind of brought up this, this notion that we have a chicken and the egg problem right now where, you know, we don't have the charging infrastructure um, out there to make it more convenient, and therefore we don't, people don't want to buy more electric cars, and, you know, people aren't buying electric cars because, you know, there's not enough infrastructure and buy or building more infrastructure because there aren't enough electric cars out there. Um, and what this all really uh, put in my mind was that, you know, the biggest thing that is going to drive electric cars uh, into the consumer marketplace is reduced cost. And the best way I can think about reducing cost is 
to just make the uh, power components more efficient um, in electric vehicles because you know that's uh, the, the touches so much of the car, the powertrain, the motor, everything, uh, and that's kind of the crux of it. Uh, but what are your thoughts? Okay, you said a whole bunch of things that I would like to address, but I didn't want to cut you off midstream. Um, first of all, um, in, in terms of the cost, you know, it's one of these things where you can make the statistics say pretty much whatever you want. And, right. and I've heard things like, well, it actually costs a lot more to produce the electric car, um, yeah. to have to build uh, different types of lines, so the startup costs are pretty significant. Um, and then, you know, actually charging them, a lot of people say, well, there are so many cases where I'm not, I'm not even using my own electricity. Um, there are many, many companies where you drive that car to the office, you plug it in at the office, um, mm -hmm. and you're using their electricity. You know, it's costing somebody, but it's not costing the consumer. Um, I know when I, if um, you drive your car to the airport in Newark, uh, you park in the garage there, you just charge it up at the, uh, in, in the parking lot. So you're not paying, well, actually you're paying like 30-something dollars a day to park your car, but that's a different story. You've got to pay that whether you're, you're charging or not. But, um, you know, so there's a lot of different things about costs. But you probably know this, but uh, Volvo announced, oh, maybe six months ago, that every new car that they produce after 2019 will either be a hybrid or an, or an electric car. They will not produce uh, a traditional uh, gas-powered car, and uh, that's a very bold statement. Were you aware of that one? Yeah, I was, and yeah, I, I think it's a good move. Of course, we all know that Volvo's had a lot of uh, issues late, lately. Um, or was that Volkswagen who was in all the trouble? That was Volvo. Yeah, that was Volkswagen. Yeah, yeah that was Volkswagen. Yeah. Um, uh, I also remember that Volvo. I think it was Volvo who said that when they start producing their autonomous vehicles they will provide car insurance for $20. They're, they're that confident in, the, in, in their technology that they won't be involved in any accidents. But I don't want to get off. Okay, that's a different tangent. Okay, so now I've, I've put on my Al Gore hat, and I came across some stat somewhere that Tesla car battery production will be releasing as much CO2 as eight years' worth of gasoline-driving cars. So to make the batteries is actually polluting the air. Yeah, I've heard that too, that, that actually making the batteries is about half, uh, produces about half the emissions of a traditional car. So really, in terms of the green, if we want to address the green factor, uh, the battery making in electric vehicles is the huge problem. Uh, you know, it's the elephant in the room. Yes, it's great, we have zero emission cars, but creating the batteries and zero emissions. And on top of that, a huge problem is what do you do with the battery once the cars, once you're done with the car? Uh, you can't throw a you know, nickel cadmium battery into a landfill or a lithium ion one for that matter. Um, there are a lot of interesting, like intriguing recycling uh, technologies coming out that hope to extract like copper, iron, and uh, nickel from those batteries. So basically extract all of the precious materials and metals out of those batteries. Uh, but those are still early days, so that's a big, big question mark for the quote-unquote green nature of EVs. Yep, I think you hit it right on the head there. Okay, so now you were talking about the power electronics. I came across um, some, some data with respect to that. Last year, the 
total market for power electronics in automotive was about $5.5 billion. And wow. according to uh, IHS, it's supposed to increase to $8.5 billion over the next five years. Um, that's a lot of stuff. And that includes things like discrete components, power modules, power ICs, um, and yeah. yeah, basically anything power related. You know, one of the things that I also came across, and you know, as as I was doing some of this research, the uh, standards for for these cars have been evolving over the years, and it's it's almost like people can't make up their mind. Um, you know, we've been running at 14 volts, actually 13.8 volts, for a very long time now. Um, there was a big push, oh, probably 15 years ago, to go to 42 volts. And, you know, when people asked why, they said, well, you know, with more voltage, we could do more things. No one really knew what they wanted to do, and there really wasn't a compelling reason to go to it, so it, so it never really took off. Um, but, but there was a time when a lot of the manufacturers spent a lot of R&D dollars putting out 42-volt components, or, or, or at least, you know, putting those designs together. And now with, with the hybrids, we're at 240 volts, um, with, and the battery packs have to be at uh, 300 volts to do that. And then they, it's run through a, a three-phase inverter to come back to 240 volts. But, you know, these things, you know, they don't seem to solidify, you know, for more than a few years. And in automotive, a generation could be seven to ten years. So, right. you know, I'd, I'd be concerned about that. Yeah, I mean, and, and this, is, this goes back to the problem uh, we, I, I mentioned at the top, is you, at the beginning, and this isn't, this isn't exclusive to, to automotive or electric vehicles, it's really any market. Until you start gaining some level of critical mass, you have these you know, ebbs and flows, these peaks and valleys, because you, know, you start developing this technology, and it's obviously intriguing for some, one reason or another, uh, but then it just doesn't catch on. And then, you know, the, the automotive market in particular is so cost sensitive. Um, everything is driven by economies of scale, and if you can't ramp up the production, um, especially after you spent millions upon millions and hundreds of millions, in some cases probably, uh, worth of R&D money uh, on getting this, this, uh, this particular model into mass, mass production, uh, you know, it's just going to kind of flatline, and then somebody else will try, will try a, you know, a different angle. Yep, absolutely. So we're almost out of time. One of the other, uh, uh, one of the other things I found, I uh, came across a blog from Tesla, and they basically said, do not attempt to fix this car yourself. We're pushing <laughs> 300 volts out here. You will die if you do something wrong. You won't just get a little shock. You will die. So um, I thought that was kind of interesting that, uh, yeah. you know, I, I guess they want you to come back to Tesla to get your car fixed. But, um, you know, for people like me who like to tinker around with, with their engines, I, I guess those days are over. Uh, well, come back to Tesla or they'll uh, fix it over the air in some voodoo firmware software. Exactly. No, no exactly. stuff required. Exactly. Okay. Well, I think that wraps up this week. What do you think? Yeah, I just want to add one more thing. Um, before you know it, we're going to be at CES again. And um, every year at CES, there are a few companies at least who have uh, intriguing stuff going on around electric cars. I know that last year, uh, Texas Instruments was out at CES showing a lot of batteries and battery charging uh, stations, uh, superchargers, 
Uh, so anybody who's interested should uh, get on the early bird registration for CES and go check it out. Very good, very good. Okay, uh, that wraps up this week's Embedded Insiders, which is brought to you by the Trusted Computing Group. TCG provides proven standards for built-in security. Learn how to secure the insecure Internet of Things and embedded systems at www.trustedcomputinggroup.org. Thanks, Brandon. I will see you next week. Thanks. See you, Rich.